the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. My Heart Radio Station. KDOW, Palo Alto, the Bay Area's business leader. A division of Salem Communications. On We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader. 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, real estate, insurance, financial issues, a little bit of a popular culture, and much, much more. Don't be shy. You can always contact the show at 800 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. It's a better show when you call. It really livens things up. It shows that I can think on my feet. Uh... And it just, I think it helps the overall flow of the show. So don't be shy, please. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Let's start first and foremost and say yes, it was a great start. It's probably one of the greatest starts of the year that you could possibly imagine of. It was partying like 1999 on Wall Street. But today there's a bit of a hangover. Partying like it's 1999 as a man who was recently in Vegas... Recovery time is a little longer, and the injuries that you sustain just walking a little bit higher. Taking a look at the market numbers this morning, it's a hangover, but it's not horrific. That's P500 is down two, Nasdaq down 29, the Nasdaq down 20 uh, down one. So it's the SP500 down two, the Dow down 29, the Nasdaq down one. Oil sits at $92.81 a barrel. Gold sits at $16.79 an ounce. Uh, getting ready for, I think, probably a bad year on gold. If not this year, the next. Some sort of transition period from uh, momentum to realizing higher interest rates would wreck gold as play. Uh, so the first thing that we look at today is yesterday. Philadelphia Semiconductor Index was up 2.1%. The NASDAQ was up 3.1%. Every other major average was up 2.3%. So it was a pretty good day. Tech did particularly well. Like I said, semiconductors up 4.5%, 4.1%. Catalyst was that Congress passed a deal that will prevent the economy from feeling the full force of going over a fiscal cliff. With that said, there were some things in it that a lot of people aren't going to like. If you have a paycheck, you're going to see another 2% taken out of it from just two weeks ago. It's not the worst thing. It's the payroll tax. But on top of that, you know, didn't just in November, didn't we, as Californians, see ourselves, you know, vote in more taxes? We did. So it means what we're working, we keep less of. So the fiscal cliff relief was nice. I would say the Republicans won, even though in all faces they lost. They clearly, if you're saying Republicans are wealthy white people or whatever Republicans are, I don't know. 
the wealthy, the proletariat, uh, the upper class, people with jobs. If you're saying that, then you, you have to look at this and say they won because back in Clinton era, the tax rates were much higher for capital gains, much higher for income tax, much higher for state taxes. Bush put in the Bush tax cuts, sometimes kind of those numbers by 50%. And we saw the numbers just creep up slightly. And they were made permanent and no longer temporary. So I think the Republicans won. But if you're looking for winners versus losers. Consumers, meanwhile, you know, retailers differ like gold and clay. In the last five trading days of the year, in the first two trading days of the year, known as the Santa Claus rally, Santa Claus came to Wall Street. Now, today, we're starting to pay for it a little bit. We're starting to see some economic data that may or may not interest us. Costco, notable winner with a 9% jump in same-store sales. Macy's and Kohl's also reported same-store sales increases. Yet both retailers issued fourth-quarter earnings guidance that is below current expectations. Better news today came out of the ADP employment change report for December. That showed an estimated 215,000 jobs were added to the private sector payrolls. Medium and large businesses hiring increases pretty good. Medium business added 102,000 jobs. Large businesses, 87,000. Services sector provided the bulk of the jobs. Services over manufacturing. Services added 187,000 jobs. Manufacturing uh, made up with the extra 28,000 jobs. So initially, we look at claims, first-time unemployment claims. They rose to 10,372,000, a little bit higher than expected. Continuing claims rose 44,000. Auto and truck sales December for data is going to be released throughout the day. Good news is expected to be heard. The FOMC minutes for December, the Fed Open Market Committee minutes for December are going to be released at 2 p.m. Eastern time, 11 a.m. our time. Mark is not likely to react much to the minutes, given the insight provided by Fed Chairman at his press conference following it. And finally, um, we get our new Congress. The Congress you voted for in November is coming to work today. The 112th Congress wasn't the best. 113th Congress, good luck to you. Make us proud. Any chance that happens? Okay, maybe not. So, other stories of note today. Discount retailer Family Dollar. They're reporting quarterly earnings. Restaurant chain Sonic. They're going to be out with its quarterly numbers after the bell closes today. AMD is in the news. They're among stocks to look at. Chipmaker appointed interim CFO. Devin Kumar as its permanent CFO. Kumar has been with the company for 28 years, most recently the corporate controller. Buffalo Wild Wings News Day. Stephen Cohen's SAC Capital disclosed a 5% stake in the restaurant operator. Safeway said their chairman and CEO, Steve Bird, to retire at their annual meeting May 14th. He joined Safeway back in 1992. 
Safeway says it will consider both internal and external candidates as possible successors. I think at some point in time, Safeway gets taken private. Starbucks introduced the $1 reusable plastic cup at its stores. Coffee chain already gives small discounts for customers bringing their own cups. They're hoping this will accelerate that trend. That's a no-brainer to me. Apple's interested in buying mobile maps app maker, Waze. There's a report out there saying that Apple and Waze have been in talks, but some are far apart on price. Google may be settling with the FTC as soon as today in the ongoing probe into Google search practices. A lot of headline news out there today, isn't there? That FTC probe centers around the contention that Google puts its own products higher up in the search results than competitors. Costco had that 9% increase in December same store sales above the 6% increase. And Microsoft. They bought a home technology startup called R2 Studios. Undisclosed amount, the company focuses on home and entertainment apps, such as a recently introduced Android app that lets users control home heating and lighting systems from their smartphones. More and more integration in the home. Don't forget to call the show 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. You can tweet the show. Rob Black Show is my handle. Rob Black Show. Follow me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. That's our Bloomberg Market Minute. Com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Chrysler came out this morning and said their December sales were their best since 2007. The industry's last normal year before the recession slammed sales. The automaker said it sold 152,367 Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Fiat vehicles, up 10% from a year ago. That bodes well for America. That bodes well for the stock market. We have the oldest fleet in our history of cars. And it's time to upgrade and update. I'm buying a new vehicle or slightly used vehicle this year. It's just time. I'm thinking manly truck. (laughs) As opposed to my manly SUV. As opposed to my jet ski, my previous form of... As opposed to my electric scooter, which wasn't that cool. Anyhow, and anyway, let's take a quick look at the market numbers. We have a day that could be a hangover day, or at least starting out that way. We had a huge up day yesterday. SP 500 down two, the NASDAQ down two, the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 33. Joining me now, CFP, Chad Burton, talking a little college planning. College is expensive. It's getting more expensive every year. What's your thoughts on this topic, Mr. Burton? Well, I think you and I both agree that, number one, you always have to save for yourself first. Sure. Right? 
Um, that means you've got to make sure you're on track for retirement because your kid could always get student loans or work their way through college. Um, and you can help out later with your higher cash flow, but you've got to get that money stocked away now so you can have years and years of compound returns for retirement. So before you do any kind of college plan, you've got to be maxing out your 401k. And that's 17000 bucks right now. Okay. And so, that, that's a lot of money for a lot of people. Right. And so you assume that if you're making at least your stock to get that level, you're probably doing at least 10% of pay, right? So it's okay. a pretty high income. Um, and, and that's the best thing because if you have a dollar that goes into the 401k, they, the whole dollar goes to work. But if you have $1 to take home, you only have 65 cents left over to invest in something else. And if somebody is pitching you life insurance as an investment, Guess what? If you have that $0.65, cents, you've got to get a 55% rate of return to get that to just equal the $1 that just went into your 401k. So life, life insurance people often use the sell strategy and say that, well, if the money's put away into a life insurance or retirement accounts or inside your you know, home equity, sure. it's not available to pay, pay for financial aid. So that's fine. But the issue is, is that that doesn't work for most Americans. Because most Americans, if they're you know, able to save that amount of money into their 401k and they're that level of income, they're probably not going to qualify for financial aid anyway. So then really the question becomes, is life insurance a good investment? And I have not seen this work out because what happens is people go buy this variable life insurance where you have life insurance and then inside the life insurance looks like mutual funds. Mm-hmm. And they say that, well, this is going to grow, and it's going to grow tax-deferred, and you can draw on it tax-free by taking out your cost basis first and then loans, tax-free loans later, that it's paid off by your death benefit when you die. The problem is, is that they sell these things on 7 8% rates of return on one side of the, the, the ledger, the sales ledger that you're showing you. Yeah. On the other side of the ledger, it says if the insurance company jacks the mortality rates up to the highest level possible, here's what's going to happen. And also, the market doesn't just go up straight 6 7 8%. It varies. And so a lot of times the fees have been jacked up, the, the, the expenses have gone up, and the returns have not been good. So people find themselves having to fund more money into these things than they, were, they wanted to in the beginning, and it just doesn't work out. Yeah. You know, life insurance is life insurance. It's not an investment. The only time this really works is if you're like you know, top 1% of the population. You've maxed out your 401K. You've done all your Roth IRA options. You've got you know, several years' worth of income saved up in taxable investments like stocks and you know, ETFs and funds outside of your 401K, and you're still looking for extra ways to save money at you know, a level of like $20,000 to $40,000 a year more, then maybe it can kind of work, but – it's you know what is that one two percent of the population? And Chad, let's just be honest. You know, life insurance isn't an investment, and people that get into life insurance business, they see what they want to see, and they show you what they want to show you. But just think about it. Like investments are investments. Insurance should be insurance. Like I don't know one financial planner. I don't know one financial expert who thinks variable universal life or equity indexed annuities are good ideas. Right. It's it's the issue of, you know, are they giving you fee-based, unbiased advice, acting as a fiduciary? And you can ask them, are you a fiduciary? If they work for a big brokerage firm or they do, um, you know, have to sell you an insurance product or an annuity to get paid, they are not a fiduciary. And that's somebody that's acting in your best interest rather than yours. So uh, it's not a good idea to ask a financial person, do you know anything about 18th uh, century Byzantine art? <laughs> Is it a good idea to ask about that? Yeah. If you're a fiduciary, they have to say, 
No, I don't know about that. You should consult somebody that does. I, I can't even find Byzantine on a map, just so you know. Yeah, it makes two of us. There you go. Anything else we need to know, Mr. Burton? Um, no, it's, you know, one of the things that um, I could, we can talk about some college later in terms of good websites that I can give you to help people prep for college. But Quickly, quickly do it. Okay, well, there's, there's collegeboard.com. Um, there are, you know, savingforcollege.com if you want to look at 529 plans, which is a tax-free way to save for college. And we can do this in another segment because there's a lot, lot of other ones I could give you. But you've got to realize that if you start saving money and your kid's too old, you could be hurting their chances to qualify for financial aid. So be aware of what those rules are because if you have a home equity line of credit, you might be better paying that offer down than saving money for college and screwing up some financial aid capabilities. Gotcha. Thanks very much. It's CFP Chad Burton. It's CFP Chad Burton. If you want to discuss this topic or find him on the web, uh, it's pretty easy to do. Uh, ChadBurton.com, NewFocusFinancial.com. It's NewFocusFinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black. Al Gore made $100 million in the sale of current TV. Hopes to close the door deal last year. Didn't happen. Al Jazeera, the pan-Arab news channel, struggled to win space on American cable television. Basically bought one of the underperforming assets, current TV. It used to be court TV, or no, maybe it didn't. Current TV, boosting its research, uh, basically boosting its reach ninefold. So into 40 million American homes. Now, last night, Time Warner Cable said, if this is the case, we're dropping current TV right now. See ya, wouldn't want to be ya. So how many subscribers will they actually buy? They're not looking for the current TV programming. They're looking for how many households that can they get into. Um, very similar strategies have been used in the past of just trying to buy bigger footprint and not necessarily a bigger, mat, uh, bigger product. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. That Al Gore, if you were to ask me for money to invest, I'd give it to him. He seems to be magical at making, uh, making money. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Find me at Twitter, Rob Black Show is my handle. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on the Wall Street Business Network. Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. What's on your financial mind? Let's start by taking a look at some upgrades and some downgrades and the stories on Wall Street. First and foremost, we have a slightly negative start to the day. We're about an hour into trading, a little bit of a hangover for most markets, but not all. You see the SP500 down one quarter of a point. That's not so bad. 
Dow Jones Industrial Average down 17 points, and the Nasdaq up less than one point. Ten-year Treasury sits at 1.85%, so we're probably not going to hit record low mortgage rates anytime soon, is the thought. Take a move back to about, about 1.5 to see that happen. Cisco today drew an upgrade from RBC Capital Markets, basically calling it a sector outperform from a sector perform. They hiked their price target to $24 a share, up from $21 a share. Many of the negative issues related to Cisco have subsided. Cisco's core markets are no longer under attack from Huawei, HP, and Juniper. Cisco's market shares have rebounded and stabilized. They've improved sales executions. They've refocused on engineering talent, which leads to tech big winner yesterday. Financials big winner yesterday. Financials huge winner last year. U.S. financial stocks a little bit quiet today. Goldman Sachs shares off fractionally after hitting a 52-week high. Yesterday, the rally in banks with large capital markets operations towards book value. So tangible book value, um, Goldman was recently trading around 98%. Morgan Stanley trades around 77%. Bank of America around 94%. Citigroup around 80%. Keep in mind, we always need a bad guy. We always need a bad guy. And I hate going into Bank of America. I feel dirty after going into Bank of America. I feel like I need a shower after going into Bank of America. I like the people enough. I just don't like the experience. There's something unpleasant. Like, there's stress from people who are in line. Stern Gee says today that Citigroup, they're upgrading it to buy from neutral. They think it's a game changer. Mike Corbett is CEO. Potential volatility still remains in Europe. That's the biggest risk right now for Citigroup. That threat seems to be stabilizing. Citigroup shares continue to trade at meaningful discounts of what are arguably trough earnings. Set a price target of $50 a share on it. I mostly agree. I don't think that's crazy talk. It wouldn't take more than one lemonade to get me all buttered up to the point of saying, you know what? I do see some upside to Bank of America, Citigroup, to Goldman Sachs, to Wells Fargo. There's plenty of financials. If I had a dartboard of financials, I could probably hit one that I like. Now, always needing a bad guy, here's something about what I like about bad guys. I like my bad guys to have a, a good side to them. The bad guy in the new James Bond movie was once a good guy. He got left behind. Chews on an arsenic pill, tries to kill himself. It basically destroys his body. So he's bitter at the people who left him behind. I would be too. A good guy who's got some flaws. James Bond alcoholic. James Bond uh, getting older. Can't shoot as straight as he used to. So a good guy who's not that good, who's got some badness to him, and a bad guy who's got some goodness to him. I like that. And here's how I use that philosophy. Like the Wicked Witch. Let's use the Wicked Witch. And let's use Dorothy to further ex, uh, expound this philosophy of mine. The Wicked Witch was green, and no one really liked her because she was green. That would suck, right? That would, it would suck to be her. In a world of short people, could we pick on the short people? The munchkins? No. Could we pick on the, you know, uh, the people of Oz who are just crazy happy all the time? No. We pick on the green person. So Dorothy 
She flies around houses that land on people. That's pretty irresponsible. She burns witches. She throws water on them. That's not very nice. So that's where the drama comes in. The good that's not so good, the bad that's not as bad as you think. Now, when you have, like, pure evil, like, isn't Dracula sexy, right, to women? Isn't he seductive? He's evil, but he's seductive. Pure evil is the American psychopath. That's our contribution to pure evil. So last year we had evil that it's tough to find a good in, but let's see if we can do it. Hurricane Sandy was the most destructive natural disaster last year. It hit over 5 million Americans. Flood losses are expected to total over $10 billion in 2012, which would result in the third consecutive year of increasing flood damage in the United States. The 2012 wildfire season was the third most destructive on record in terms of total acres burn as of December. And tornado activity was outside of the region commonly referred to as Tornado Alley. So tornadoes are now starting to hit areas that don't typically have tornadoes. Like, I don't feel that bad for the person in Arkansas or Texas that a tornado comes and hits their mobile home, picks it up, and takes them away because they chose to live in an area called Tornado Alley. I feel a little bit worse for the person who's in San Jose when a tornado hits because we signed up for earthquakes. We didn't sign up for tornadoes, right? So Sandy's the bad guy here. Now, what's the good side of it? $50 billion, $100 billion of, of let's rebuild things? When you rebuild things, it's pretty sweet. You got a brand new kitchen. You got a brand new plumbing. Like, you've got a roof that's not going to leak for a little while. So even the destructive side creates. And it creates good things. Now, again, at a cost. You could look at insurance companies as investments. You can look at home improvement as investments. You could look at deer. I love John Deere. I wish that I had enough testosterone to get on one of those things and just drive it to work one day. I don't. So I got to listen to my satellite radio. I got to have my seat warmer. But you get the idea. Construction, materials, commodities, all going to go into improving what was left behind as a huge mess. I got an email that I want to share with you. You can drop me an email. Rob at robblack.com. Rob at robblack.com. See if my producer's on it. Give me my little email sounder. Rob at robblack.com. So Mike sends an email. He goes, I'm in a dilemma with my mortgage. I need some advice. My current 5-1 arm is up in a few days. The rate's 5% only at 2300 a month. It's tied towards LIBOR. The rate has now dropped to 3%, and the interest-only payment is now locked at $1,400 a month for one year, and it will adjust based on the market yearly. It can't go more than 2% any one year, and the max of 11%. ING is offering me a rate roll into one of those following programs, but it will cost me a one-time fee of $2,300. $2,300 is a large amount to pay if you're going to be in the product for one or two years. If you're going to be in the product for one year. You start to get that investment back if rates stay low and you're able to refi in two or three years. Five-year principal and interest payment, 2.75% payment is $2,500 a year. Seven-year principal and interest at 3% payment is $2,600. I have not made any principal payments on the house, and I owe probably what it's worth according to Zillow. I would not count on Zillow. Zillow has overvalued my house by about 600000 I do not know if I should gamble and leave it year 
So do adjust yearly. If I chose the yearly adjustable, I'd continue to send in $2,300, so I'd have the best, the rest go to principal. I think if I roll it into the five or seven year, they told me the margin would go to the library plus two and a half percent. Thanks very much, Mike. Okay, Mike, you're doing this all the wrong way. I respect you. I'm sure you're a great father. I'm sure you're a great husband. I'm sure you're a great worker. But A, you're gambling. You know that. B, you're talking about sitting in principal when you don't have to sit in principal. C, you're going for the demon. You're trying to guess of where interest rates are going to be in two to three years. And honestly, no one knows. We assume the Fed's going to be true to their word and keep interest rates low until 2015. So you got that going for you. You could put that on your side. Maybe you look at, I would work with a mortgage lender who you trust. If you need a referral to a mortgage lender that I trust, who's done two or three loans for me, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. You want to have more of a conversation other than just say, well, I'm not paying any uh, principal, so I'm now going to start paying principal. I'm going to go with this lower product. Maybe you'd just be better off going with a five-year or seven-year. Mike, I don't know how old you are. I don't know if you're in a good area or bad area. You didn't tell me if your home was in San Jose or if it was in Stockton. There's a big difference. You really got to go with someone that you know and not think of it as simply, well, I'll send an extra principal. Well, why not have the argument of the stock market's got low valuations? Why not put some of that in things that might go up, like a Wells Fargo? In theory, Wells Fargo is tied towards the housing market it, in some way, shape, or form. It's the largest mortgage service provider in the nation, right? So I think you have to have more of a, a – and how much do you save for retirement? If you save nothing for retirement, maybe go with that three-year lowest rate possible only interest instead of sending in principal to the house. Maybe send in principal to your 401k, your 403b, your 457, or your Roth. I don't think you're thinking of this in a savvy enough fashion. I appreciate it. I find that there's way too many real estate shows. There's way too many mortgage shows that are like, here's the best program for you. No, 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 no. Program, like, if you save nothing for retirement, there's no right mortgage program for you. The right decision may be sell the house and, and get a, a rental. Live with your family for a while. So it makes me ill to hear some of the advice that's out there, especially when there's so many different types of people. There's a 30-year-old who's buying their first house. There's the young couple who's 35 who have two kids, and they're buying too small of a house because it's all they could afford. There's a 55-year-old person who saved nothing for retirement. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on the Wall Street Business Network. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. Good morning. This report brought to you by Garmin. At the Dumbarton Bridge, we have some slow traffic westbound between Paseo Padre Parkway and the Toll Plaza. Livermore is slow west 580 between Airway and El Charo. For Wall- and iHeart Radio Station. You're listening to me, Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I saw a funny line last night on Twitter. Russia grants citizenship to Gerard Depardieu following the actor's tax feud with France. Would you ever leave this country because of taxes? It's a good question. If you want to drop me an answer, rob at robblack.com. Tweet Rob Black Show. Would you ever leave this country because of higher taxes? 
President Vladimir Putin at his annual news conference before more than a thousand journalists declared with a mixture of magnanimity, a little bravado, but one of the world's best-known Frenchmen, really wanted to renounce his French citizenship, he would find the doors wide open in Russia with a residency permit, Russian citizenship, for, for his asking. France has very high taxes on the wealthy. We need to be careful what we wish for. Because at some point in time, I tend to believe that people will leave this country. And they will look for other countries to, again, enjoy their wealth, enjoy the, the fruits of their labor. How high is too much? How low is too low? I'm offended every time I take a look at my paychecks, every time I look at my sales receipts, every time I look at my tax returns, my state, my local, my federal government. They take, 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 take from me. Now, again, I'm the first one to say I partied in Vegas with five friends. I spent way more than I should have. Now, I won money, too. But who do you tax? I mean, at what point in time? Because I could easily find a home in Belize. I could easily find a home. And some people say, then go. Trust me, someone wants my tax money. You don't want to push people out. We're having a good start of the year, in my opinion. We've addressed the tax issues and made them permanent. I know what my taxes are going to be for a good while. You know, at least two years, I know what my taxes should be. S&P 500 is down one, the Dow is down 24, the Nasdaq's down two. A couple things that I want to throw out there. There's a good research group called BTIG, and they consistently produce some of the most interesting investment research. Thirteen predictions that they made. First, Apple launches iRadio, taking on Pandora and Internet Radio. Expect the service to be integrated in iTunes and incorporate the ability to buy tickets to events. Eventually, but not initially, it'll become an add-on service like Spotify for on-demand listening. Apple kind of screwed up the album world as we started buying single songs. I don't really like Apple iTunes services. You know, you feel like, hey, I bought that. I'm always going to get it. No, you got it for that device. Your device blows up. Good luck to you. So I'm at the point now, because I know I'm going to lose devices, I'd rather go with Spotify than iTunes. I'm not cutting edge. I'm up there, but I'm not it. BTIG research also says Apple does not launch a television. Others launch virtual cable networks. He thinks a move into TVs will be hampered by content issues. He also thinks Dish Network and Intel will launch virtual networks, but not with the quality of service Apple is targeting. Another prediction out of BTIG, surprisingly, surprising movie output deal announcements for Universal and Sony. The analyst thinks Universal will extend its output deal with HBO. He does not buy into the idea that Comcast will create its own pay TV service or buy stars. He also thinks Netflix will cut a content deal with Sony, which currently has a content deal with stars. Next up, as far as future tech media predictions, Google Fiber announces a second market. I'm so bitter. Kansas City uh, got an amazing fiber network installed by Google. 
prices as cheap as cable. Service is ten times better than cable. Come on, Google. Pick San Carlos. Pick San Mateo. Pick, uh, I mean, just pick another city. We want more. BTIG is doing some predictions for 2013. Fox acquires 100% ownership of Hulu. Hulu is now jointly controlled by News Corp, Disney, and Comcast, NBC Universal. He thinks following the coming split of News Corp into two companies, Fox will seek 100% of Hulu with a deal incorporating 10-year programming deal agreements with NBC and ABC. Next up, live TV viewing continues to fall with TV advertising under attack from technology with live, live TV viewing under attack. Networks finally start to add to the depth and breadth of video on demand content, but with unskippable commercials. I love watching TV whenever I can because that's my life right now. Another media prediction is without broadband, satellite loses subscribers. Focus shifts to merging to mitigate pain. Direct TV and Dish Network will not, will not survive. They will not be businesses in 10 years. Will the two merge? Uh, regulars would say no to that. Will one of them go to a phone company? Will one of them go to a cable company? Will one of them go to an internet company? I think that's highly possible. Next up, home entertainment windows shrink as DVD spending nosedives. In 2013, consumer spending on home entertainment falls High single digits as box office resets from an abnormally strong 2012 and access to movie content increases notably to Netflix, Amazon Prime, HBO Go, Showtime, Anytime, and Stars Play. In turn, several studios begin to revisit their release windows with a focus on reducing the theatrical to home entertainment window. Netflix originals become water cooler conversation leading to increased investment. I don't know about that, but they're going to start a TV show Arrested Development. Hemlock Grove, House of Cards, and Orange is the new black. Netflix is producing content, television content. Amazon.com is as well. Finally, YouTube launches subscription service and signs major sports rights agreements overseas. I expect that to happen. Expect content creators to be able to charge small either month or series subscription fees with a dual revenue stream model enabled. You can find me at Twitter, Rob Black Show. You can find me at Facebook group page, cron for rob Black. You can find me at robblack.com. Advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful, informative, irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome back again, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. For instance, today's market versus yesterday's market. What a difference 24 hours makes, right? Yesterday was one of the biggest blowout kind of days you can imagine. Not so much today. 
Taking a look at the numbers, we've been trading sideways slightly down. Now, on a one-day level, you're like disappointed. On a two-day level, you're like, hey, I'd take that. If you compare this year to last year, we're starting off good. Last year was a very, very good year on the markets, even though there was a fiscal cliff, even though there was European uh, Greece defaults, even though there was a slowdown in China. Today, people are a little bit further back. People are feeling a little bit better. People are starting to see uh, possibilities in a low-valued stock market. The S&P 500 is down 1 points and at 1461. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 15 and at 13397. The Nasdaq down 1 and at 3110. Those are probably the top stories of the day. Citigroup is a little bit lower today. Citigroup had a monster day yesterday, as did Apple. So, as did you know, Berkshire, Brown Foreman. Um, retailers continue to do pretty well. Taking a look at some of the retail numbers that we're seeing out this morning. Uh, retailers posted a 4.5% increase in December sales. I would say that's better than warm, but it's definitely not hot. So, um, it's kind of what we're dealing with at this point in time. Not too hot, not too cold is the idea. We want kind of a Goldilocksian view of things. December auto sales have revved up. Chrysler reported their best December sales since 2007. Ford said sales grew across the board in 2012 with cars up 5%, utilities up 7%, trucks up 2%. Overall, the Ford brand ended with 2.1 million cars sold last year. Hormel's buying Skippy peanut butter from Unilever. I know you're saying, what? Doesn't Hormel make chili and beans and chicken and what else? Spam. Spam is the mystery meat, right? Yeah, you know the number one sandwich in America? Ham. You know the number two? Peanut butter and jelly. So it seems to me that they're doing the right idea there. Starbucks has revealed a $1 reusable cup of coffee. I find that story cute. I'm not going to jump up and down for that story. I'm going to say it's nice. I'm not going to say it changes the world. Starbucks continually seems to put themselves in front of the media with stories. I think that's an important thing that CEOs are uh, should do. I think that's wise, if you get my drift. Uh, part of their job is to inspire confidence. It's not going to help a lot on margins. Last year, what's going to help on margins was coffee was the number uh, the worst commodity of the year. So both blends of coffee. With that said, that's going to help coffee more so than that's going to help Starbucks more so than a dollar cup of coffee. Now, if they can get us to bring our own cups or to bring their cups back, I think it's a big win for plastic. Speaking of which, there's a town. And I found this, this actually made me happy to be an American. I know you're saying, uh-oh. Um, there's actually a Massachusetts town that's made bottled water illegal. Now, it doesn't apply to sodas. But the concept here is, is that plastics, we know that drinking plastics from plastics isn't the best idea. And the ban's intended to encourage the use of tap water and curb the worldwide problem of plastic pollution. It only applies to non-sparkling, unflavored drinking water. Gene Hill, an 84-year-old activist, thought up the idea. 
basically, you know, bottles are filling up garbage dumps while consumers are lured in drinking water that they could obtain for a tiny fraction of the cost. Water is one of the most, plastic bottle waters is one of the most wildly overexpensive uh, items that we buy. The bottled water companies are draining aquifers and they're selling it back to us. So I see Americans support this. Go buy a canteen or a bottle like a SIG bottle, S-I-G-G. If you want to get a nice filtering system for your refrigerator, a nice filtering system for your tap water, I'm not going to fight you on that. But that's going to be a lot, lot better for you and your pocketbook. So congratulations to that Massachusetts town. I know you're saying, well, that was an odd story. Yeah. Back to that $1 reusable cup. Again, why are we filling up our trash dumps with, you know, uh, paper? You know, of course they do a lot of recycling paper, but of course some of that paper does end up in our trash dumps. So people think the cups are cool. Um, 26% more cups were reused in stores in November compared with the same month a year earlier. The new $1 cup comes as food and beverage retailers face pressure to reduce the amount of disposable cups in containers that uh, fill up landfills. Will it, it be enough to alter behavior? I really can't say. Americans, we love our, our liberties even if that means it hurts our neighbors and our friends and our family and our future. Other stories of note this morning. Al Jazeera wants to buy current TV. And it basically tells you cable TV is not dead. I see that G4 basically scrapped its teenage to 25-year-old, 18 to 25-year-old programming. And they're trying to go with a more 25 to 35-year-old programming. So they're noticing the, the small numbers, and they're doing what they can to change programming around it. You know, stations like FX and AMC have really shown the world you can be successful and demand more for your programming. Al Jazeera, the pan-Arab news channel, they've struggled to get any space on American cable television. So they acquired current TV to basically increase its reach. Now, Al Gore confirmed the sale, saying in a statement that Al Jazeera shared current TV's mission to give voice to those who are not typically heard, to speak truth to power, to provide independent and diverse points of view, to tell stories that no one else is telling. What he didn't say was, yeah, I'm kind of surprised I sold it to an Arabic, Arabic company that has shown the beheadings of Americans. But I did make $100 million. Ladies! Al Jazeera, owned by the government of Cater, plans to gradually transform current into a channel called Al Jazeera America by adding five to ten new U.S. bureaus beyond its five that's currently now is hiring and putting in place for journalists. So there's no rules against foreign ownership of a cable channel. Now, Time Warner America basically panicked and they pulled the plug. Or no, they, they did what they wanted to do. They pulled the plug on the programming. So how many subscribers will be, still be there? How many channels, how many homes will they be in? Uh, Gap today, surprising move. They've acquired luxury women's apparel maker Intermix. Uh, they've been doing some good acquisitions in the last few years. Now, Gap, everyone knows, is Old Navy, Banana Republic, and the Gap stores, Baby Gap. They said same store sales up 5%. This is a company that's turned around. It used to linger around 16 to $20. It's now a $32 stock. Just so you know. So by buying Intermix, they're picking up some boutiques. 
32 boutiques in North America, a website that sells a mix of luxury brands, including uh, stuff from new designers. That's going to build upon the 2008 purchase of yoga and fitness clothing retailer Athleta and the expansion of its fashion-oriented Piper Lime website. You can find me online at robblack.com, Twitter handle Rob Black Show, Facebook group page I Hate Rob Black, or Facebook page Cron Carolyn for Rob Black. Let's take a break here. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on the Wall Street Business Network. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Always feels like the wrong song to step on. And I always want to let it play as long as possible. It's not always the option. You get it. So what's on your financial mind? What's your questions today? I'm not hearing a lot back from you. You've been a very silent audience. 800-510-1220. It's 800-510-1220. Oh, my. Are you into downtown Abbey? (laughs) Nor am I. So. Oops. 800-516-1220. I think that's what I said. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, Let's take a look at some of the market numbers. And I'll work a little bit right now and in the next commercial break on some investment ideas for you. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. We have a slightly down day, kind of a hangover day. We know there's a big fight coming up in Congress thing going on, but now we're slightly higher. The S&P 500 down uh, up one half of one point. It's been down most of the day. The Nasdaq, the Dow down nine, sitting at 13,403. I think we closed the year at record levels for a lot of indices. Russell 2000 did it yesterday. Nasdaq is up uh, one quarter of a point, sitting at 31,12. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton. How are you today, Mr. Burton? Doing well. Doing well. One of the areas that we don't really talk too much about is charity, and there's a word out there, charitable remainder trust. We know a trust. We know Paris Hilton. Granddaddy did the Hilton Hotel. She's a trust baby. How do charitable trust work together? Yeah, it's a little bit different than creating a trust baby because what I find that a lot of people that are wealthy really start to look for ways to be philanthropic. And I think one of the best estate tax planning tools, and, and you really have to look at the estate tax as almost like a voluntary tax. There's so many things that you can do while you're alive, in terms of gifting, in terms of setting up your estate the right way to to avoid paying too much in estate taxes. And my favorite type of strategy for people that really come to me and they say, here's my financial plan, and I'm also looking for ways to benefit my charity and protect my children. And I think one of the best tools out there is a charitable remainder trust. Okay. So picture this. Let's say you have a couple. They're in their 60s. They've got a combined estate with their Bay Area home and some stock options that they that they have that have real low stock basis, cost basis of about twelve million bucks. So, and let's say they're looking at this, you know, a million dollars in this stock that they might have purchased a long, long time ago with a basis of you know a couple hundred thousand. Right. So, the the stock doesn't pay any dividends. It's a typical tech type of a company, and they really want to diversify. 
They really want to you know, get it into an area where they can take some income, at least get some dividends off of it. Now, they could sell the stock, right? They could sell the million dollars and pay all of the state capital gains tax, the federal capital gains tax, and have you know, less than $800,000 left over after taxes to get into something that they could pull 5% from. Okay. So you know, really what would happen is they'd only end up between seven hundred and fifty to $800,000 left over to really invest. Now, if they had 5% income from that, they'd only have 37500 each year, right? If you want to do the math. Okay. That, that's all they would have to live off of for the rest of their life because at 65, you don't want to draw more than 5% of the portfolio. And then, since they have a, a, a large estate, whatever's left of that $750,000 when they die would be taxed at estate tax rates approaching 50%, the success tax. So the kids might only receive like 350000 of that. And Uncle Sam gets the other half. Now, in a charitable remainder trust, let's say you say you've identified a charity or two or several that you want money to go to after you pass away. You can put the money into the charitable remainder trust. So you, what you could do is set up a charitable remainder trust. You're the trustee of it, so you can determine you know, how to invest the proceeds. And, and it doesn't, nothing goes to the charity until you pass, until you die, until the second one is gone. So you could put the million dollars stock into that charitable remainder trust. You could get a big tax deduction for doing that. Usually at that age, it would be somewhere around $200,000 to $250,000 tax deduction. So this is great because you could put the million dollars into the trust. You could turn around and sell the, that low base of stock once it's in the trust and create an income-producing portfolio, zero current capital gains taxes, okay. nothing at all. You can diversify without paying any capital gains tax, and then you can create that lifetime income of 5%, but 5% on a million dollars is 50000 bucks a year, right? Right. So you get a higher income, and you get a tax deduction. You have five years to use that tax deduction up. So then what you do is you, you look at it and say, okay, the charity's going to win when I die, right? My kids, though, don't get the million dollars. So you take some of that money, and you, you funnel into an irrevocable life insurance trust so that it replaces the million dollars to your heirs totally tax-free. And really, the tax deduction and the lack of paying capital gains taxes pays for the insurance for the kids. So everybody wins. The, the kids get the money, the charity gets the money, you get the income, Uncle Sam gets zero. It's a great What happens, though, if you run out of money in the charitable remainder trust? Can you spend it down by accident? Well, if you do, if you invest poorly, great. yeah, you could, it could be gone. Or if the market does a massive correction, as long as you've done the prudent man rule, you invested in a balanced portfolio, nothing, nothing can happen to you. It's just poor market performance. And what happens is your income stocks and it stops and the charity ends up not getting anything. I haven't seen that happen. You invest in but a balanced portfolio. But you still get the tax deduction. Your kids still get the life insurance. Correct. Okay. Yeah. It's a great planning tool, especially those that it complicates life a little bit. Do you think anyone ever abuses that? Um, abuses it? I, you know, I don't I, I, I mean, don't. Jim Cramer always so. talks about his terrible remainder trust, but he's living kind of large. Well, Again, that's what he. So you can see how it works because what he did is put low base of stock into that, and he can manage it however he wants. He can buy and sell whatever he wants inside of that. He takes a certain amount of income out um, now, and it, you know it's it's a pretty great tool. He's not abusing it. There's there's laws, and you have an attorney draft the charitable remainder trust. So it's it's such a great tool, and it, everybody wins except the government. It, it really works well. Which, do you ever worry, like, when you say that out loud, some people might actually dislike that? Cause I, I, and they're typically the people who are on the government program. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. 
It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. If you have a ton of wealth or you've got wealth, consider a charitable remainder trust. A trust, consider making sure you do some estate planning with that so that it passes efficiently. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. What's on your financial mind? What do you want to talk about? Pick up the phone. Give me a call. In the last hour, I did some tech trends that we're going to see. If you don't get the first hour of the show, talk to your radio station. Say, pick up the first hour. If you missed it, pick up the podcast. I'm having some problems with the podcast right now, but that should be ironed out soon. Very soon. Otherwise, it's going to become problematic. Um, stocks are falling. They're moving a little higher. They're kind of going sideways. Jobless claims in the United States raise more than forecast in the holidays. Keep in mind tomorrow we get employment numbers, and the markets will move on that. If we see job creation, we'll know that we're got, or a nation of consumers. If we see job destruction, we'll know that, hey, maybe we're thinking another recession. Here's this is Rob Black and Your Money on the Wall Street Business Network. considering buying a company that bashed its Maps app. Apple's reportedly interested in acquiring Waze, a community-based traffic and navigation app for its iOS and Android. According to TechCrunch this morning, Waze was the only app to gain meaningful market share, and Apple's only mapping program failed. The company believes it has a lot to offer and reportedly wants as much as $750 million for the buyout. Apple hopes to pay $400 million and $100 million in incentives. If they were to acquire Waze, Apple would gain access to 30 million drivers who already use the app. These drivers make up the Waze community, which use real-time info to provide users with the fastest route to any particular destination. The app also diverts, alerts drivers as they approach police, accidents, road hazards, and traffic jams. It's a pretty cool app, Waze, W-A-Z-E. While the current iteration is filled with bugs that cause it to crash, Waze has a four-and-a-half star across its app. CNET user score is slightly lower, but the level of reviewer praise seems to be just as extreme. Waze is definitely the best navigation on the App Store to date. When user wrote in July, it gives turn-by-turn directions, and it tells you where the cops are or where there is a large amount of traffic, and it's free. Numerous reports have claimed that Apple already licenses some of Waze's technology. Neither will confirm nor deny. Apple went out and partnered with the weakest player. Uh, referring to TomTom, now they're coming out with the lowest, weakest data set, and they're competing against Google, which has the highest data set. Now, Google sends out cars that don't have drivers, and they run up down your street and take photos. Google's got a pretty good experience. Another reason, another reason to uh, maybe another company, Square. Um, where people are doing transactions, where people are. There's a lot of ways for Apple to build their map technology, their map database. They need to do it. It's an awful product. So, And I'm not just jumping on and bashing, just jump on and bash. It's actually fun. A couple things to take a look at today. Murder charges are being brought up on five men in a new Delhi gang, right? How horrific. Why do we? Li- why does this happen in our world? 
Today there's a shooter that kills three women in a Swiss mountain village spree. One of the women was his wife. Again, why does this happen? It's, it's surreal to me. I get life can stink at times, but don't take your anger out on other people. If you want to yell at them, yell at them. Consumer comfort in the United States climbed to an eight-month high. This is important. Let me give you an example. Say you're at home tonight watching a little football, and your wife is like, I feel really comfortable. I feel really a lot of love. The holiday season went well. The kids love us. I'm going to love my husband. I'm going to go give him a back rub. And he's like, hey, it's nice to get a back rub. Nice to get my toes trapped and manicured. But nice to get a back rub. The two of them are going to feel comfortable enough to say, you know what? This is romantic. Let's go to Hawaii. Let's do it. And they're going to get on a plane. And the airlines are going to make money. And the fuel company is going to make money. And the porter who, ch- who takes your bags is going to make money. And the hotel you book is going to make money. So the comfort, how comfortable we are. The rebuilding of wealth and modest income gains permitted consumer sentiment to overcome slow growth and politically divisive environment in 2012. I still do feel like some retail sales were hurt from two major events in December. I think spending would have been higher. I can tell you that uh, the Newton Town shootings, a lot of Americans were watching television. Our hearts were broken. I got my hair cut yesterday, and uh, my hairdresser just, she's a, I like her. She's easy on the eyes. She's a very feminine woman, so she makes a guy feel good about himself. She flirts, but not to excess. But one of the things that, you know, she had, she had a People magazine of all the pictures on the front of the kids from the Newton shooting. I was like, can I flip that? Like, I'm, I'm a little tired of being bummed out right now. It's been a crazy December. A cra- it's been the craziest December on record for me. So, I think I was, I'm not going to say depressed, but I was locked into the new town shootings. I watched more than my fair share of CNN and MSNBC. Way more than my fair share. And it's tragic. Again, no parent should ever have to bury their kid. That is the definition, the definition of absurdity. I can't think of anything more absurd than that. And no parent should ever have to bury a child under the age of eight. Never, ever, never. And yet it happens every day. So Americans with annual incomes of 100000 or more, we continue to get a little bit more positive, even though we've been sidetracked with the political uh, vitriol, just nastiness that's coming out of Washington, D.C., you know, Chris Christie said it right. Yesterday he got he blew up on John Banner and said, you know, these people, they need an aid package from Hurricane Sandy. You don't get it. You don't have to get it because you're a congressman. These people need to do it because they have bills to pay. So there was a lot of that. Now, there is some contrast. I just said people who make over 100000 happy, go lucky. The reading was a little bit lower for lower wage earners. 
which again, for the record, I think the lower wage earners got screwed in the fiscal cliff deal by Obama. I think Obama wanted to get a deal done. I think Democrats didn't get what they wanted. What they wanted was a reversion back to the tax code levels under the Clinton administration. Bush drastically cut taxes. What we got two days ago was a slight bump up, and it was made permanent. Now, again, you can argue left and right of this, but I'm going to tell you, that 2% higher payroll tax hurts someone making under 70000 a lot more than anyone making over 100000 Because don't forget, it gets it's filtered out at 100000 Retailers lured reluctant shoppers with late December specials after Hurricane Sandy. Macy's and Gap reported great numbers. Sales at Macy's, the second largest U.S. department store, rose 4.1%. So those are the basic, you know, underpinnings of what we're seeing today tied towards consumer confidence and people feeling comfortable, very comfortable, all things considered, with the economy. I'm going to do a search for an email. You can email me, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Anything you want to ask me, bring it up. Let's see. This one, um, Congress should be made. This is from Mark. Congress should be made to listen to your show every morning before they can consider any legislation to fix the fixed cliff. I totally disagree with that. But thank you, Mark. That's very, very kind of you. I totally disagree. I know the process is a lot harder than you or I could ever grasp. Um, Here's someone asking me about the capital gains, how it went up from 20%, 15 percent to 20%, and the dividend tax went from 15 to 20%. He said, is it going to be treated as your income tax? No, it's a dividend tax. So let's say you own a company like Nike that pays a 3% dividend, and you have $100 of it, 100 shares of it. You're going to get 3%. It's going to be a dividend, and you're going to be taxed at 20 So let's say your tax bracket's 28%. Your income tax is taxed at 28%. Your dividend tax is taxed at 20%. Depending on a couple other things, you may hit a slightly higher dividend income tax. Tax questions should really go through a CPA because all people are different. You know, are you married? Are you single? Are you filing jointly? Are you filing separately? Do you have kids? Is this dividend in a dividend-sheltered investment product like a qualified retirement plan of 529, a 401k, a 403b, a 457? For the record, I know that 529s aren't qualified retirement plans, but they are tax-sheltered plans. Oh, my. That'll happen on occasion. You're like, how did that come out of my mouth? Let's see if I can't find any more emails. Um, you can drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. This one, it, it bugs me out a little bit that people actually throw out ideas like this. The headline is, do you think people won't buy cars because it's an unlucky year, 2013? Many folks don't like the number 13. Personally, I'd wait till 2014 for a car. He personally would wait a year for a car. He suspects sales will dip because of this. Has anyone written about this? I'm sure this might have been talked about and written in 1913 newspapers. That would be a good source of data to predict 2013. Joe, 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 Joe. If you really, I'm not a numerologist, and good God, I once heard a story that some guy at Cron. The TV station that I work with let a numerologist paint a number on the outside of the building to wish luck. 
I'm not that guy. I'm not even close to that guy. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. I'm not moody. I'm not irrational. I'm not greedy. I'm not fearful. I'm very much so a robot when it comes to investing. Got an email from Helen. Helen says, I withdrew from my IRA. Now I'm faced with taxes on this money. My intentions were to help with medical debt emergencies, which did not occur in 2012. I know there's a tax on early withdrawal before age, question mark. And I'm willing to pay this penalty. However, I did pay the 10% when I took my money out. Yeah, and you're going to get hit with another penalty. Is it income taxes. Is there any recourses since I didn't use the money? I'd talk to your broker, see if they have any thoughts for you. But no, he did the wrong thing by taking the money out. Really the wrong thing. Never, ever take money out of a qualified retirement plan unless the emergency occurs. And then question it. Rob. Welcome back in. Rob Black for money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. I'm not typically one to consider myself a motivator. I really don't believe that's what you want me to do. But I will say this. Uh, I don't think you need an MBA to become a successful business person. I really, really don't. I think what you need to learn is that every minute counts. Every single minute of every single hours should be productive. I'm extremely aware of time. When you're working hard and you're focused on the task at hand, time escapes you because you're keeping you're not keeping your eye on the clock. Even when I take moments out to eat, socialize, or sit down, have a moment with me and my thoughts, have a moment of stretch, I account for those minutes and I, I manage my time. Spend things doing what you love. I haven't quit Facebook, but I barely, rarely use Facebook to like look at friends and their stories and their families. I'd rather sit down with them in person and do it. I'd much rather sit down in person and do it. I know that sounds too romantic and such, but uh, there's a report out that people under 30 will... Uh, you know, cut down on restaurants at this point in time. Maybe it's because they don't have jobs. But count for every minute. Make it incredibly important. And that will make your life a little more successful, I guarantee you. So a couple more things I want to talk about this hour. And don't, don't forget to find me at 800-516-1220. 800-516-1220. calls in the air. You can find me at Twitter handle, Rob Black Show. I think you're always going to be surprised by what Wall Street throws at you. And that's something that's important to note and, and be ready for. You know, last year we went into the year, whoa, fiscal cliff, whoa, Europe and Greece. Who would have predicted what we saw? It was a crazy year of headlines and a damn good year of market returns. Like a really fine year of market returns. So 13 to 16% on the S&P 500, depending on if you account for dividends or not. That's better than historically average. There's a guy named Byron Ween, and every year he writes down some predictions. And he's usually right on about 55, 60% of them. 
One of his predictions this year is that Iran gains nuclear capabilities. They say they've already got enough enriched uranium to produce a nuclear arms missile. Will sanctions happen or not? Devaluation of their currency, weak economic conditions, diplomacy. It's not stopping their weapons program. So the United States has a policy of what's typically referred to as prevention, and it then moves to a policy of containment. We don't want nuclear weapons in the hands of people that hate each other in the areas. Will the SP 500 go up or down? He predicts it'll go down. He says the SP 500 trades below 1,300. Companies complain of limited pricing power in a slow, highly competitive world economic environment. He believes that financial stocks tumble after a strong 2012. So he's negative. Financial stocks have a rough time reversing the gains of 2012. Intense competition in commercial and investment banking together with low trading volumes puts pressures on profits. Layoffs continue and compensation erodes further. Regulation increases and lawsuits persist. He believes crude falls under 70. He's really negative. This is a really negative call. In a surprise reversal, the Democrats sponsor a vigorous program to make the United States independent of Middle East oil. The price of West Intermediate crude falls to below $70 a barrel. The administration proposes easing restrictions on hydraulic fracking for oil and gas in less populated areas and allowing more drilling on federal land. He believes the GOP makes a major push for immigration reform and a surprise reversal. They sponsor a bill that paves the way for illegal immigrants to apply for citizenship if they have lived in the United States for a decade, have no criminal record, have a high school education, or have served in the military, and can pass an English proficiency test. Their goal is for 2016 to get the Hispanic vote back. Another one of his predictions, I'm talking about Brian Ween's predictions for 2013. He thinks new leaders in China seem determined to implement reforms to root out corruption to keep the economy growing at 7% or better, and to begin to develop improved health care and retirement programs. He thinks the Shanghai Composite soars more than 20%. That's one that I agree with. He believes that climate uh, increases will continue to push commodity prices higher. Demand for grains in developing economies continues to increase the standards of living costs. More investors focus on commodities as an investment opportunity to increase their allocation of this asset. Corn rises to $8 a bushel, wheat to 9 cattle to $1.50 a pound. He thinks gold spikes to $1,900 an ounce. He thinks the Nikkei explodes when the yen plummets. So he sees upside towards the Chinese and Japanese markets. So it's pretty interesting calls. He also thinks European equities should decline 10% a month continuation of austerity. It's funny how we're watching Europe for austerity cuts and how their programs work, and they're watching us for how taxes change. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. If you want to call now, I'll put you on hold for 20-plus hours. You can tweet me, Rob Black Show. You can email me, rob at robblack.com. If you need help with your portfolio, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Give me as much information as you can. Name, age, income, assets, liabilities, time frame, goals. We'll exchange a couple emails. You can drop me an email on your portfolios at rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. We'll take a break here. We'll come back in a 20-plus hour period. You can find me at robblack.com. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.